Anyways. Hi, this is Ross Bainer with Role Playing Bulk Radio, and I'm here with Jolly Blackburn of Kinzer Company. Uh, here at VisionCon 2011, and we're uh, talking about uh, Kinzer Company, Hackmaster, Knights of the Dinner Table, gaming in, in general, uh, culture and industry, and all that good stuff. So, um, Jolly, tell what is the state of uh, Kinzer Company in 2011? Okay. Uh, we got a lot of exciting things going on. We're, our big thing right now is uh, supporting Hackmaster. We came out with Hackmaster Basic uh, two summers ago. Yeah. And uh, we just finished up the Hacklepedia Beast for uh, what we're calling Advanced Hackmaster. Okay. Which takes it up to the next level. Okay. And it's a hardbound book, leathered. Uh, I think it's like 400 pages. Yeah, um, so that that will be like, as opposed to the last Hacklepedia was you know, broken up in eight months. It's just right, going to be right. one big right. thing. Um, all right, so how has uh, um, Hackmaster been received so far? I mean, been received really well. Uh, when we came out, you know, there's always these edition awards when yeah. a new edition comes out. So we kind of decided early on we weren't going to worry about uh, losing people that may have certain playing tastes. Yeah. We're just going to do the game that we thought it should be. Yeah. Know, as far as revamping it, and hopefully enough of our base would stick with us to the new edition. And actually, I think it did pretty well. You know, we still got a pretty good run. Okay. Uh, so, the, so the Hacklepedia is coming out. Any other new products you really... We're working on the Advanced Player's Handbook. Okay. Which, uh, we only have a time frame. It's possible it will come out late at the end of the year. Okay. But we don't really have a set time frame. We're just... Still in development. When it's ready, we'll release it. Okay. And uh, we're getting ready to reprint the uh, core book for Aces and Eights. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, how, I've always been interested in Aces and Eights because, of, you know, I've looked through it and read a lot about it, but I've just... Uh, selling, you know, my personal group on Westerns is a little harder than other groups. But, like, uh, how has uh, Aces and Eights been received and, you know, what, what, how, how, what's coming up for it? So. You know, it's done... Well, I should say when we started doing... Uh, you know, we were losing the license on the last version of Hackmaster. Yeah. And it was kind of a sell-through period. So we're kind of in a situation where we, we didn't want to release the new version. Mm-hmm. But we could still sell the old one. And we thought, well, let's turn our attention to something else. And uh, and we all agree, like the Western genre, we were all big Boot Hill fans yeah. back in the day. We thought, you know, no one's really doing anything with the Western right now. Let's just really do a kick-ass Western game, kind of the mm-hmm. Western RPG, then all Western RPGs. Yeah. As far as quality and a premium book. And that's the way we approached it. And, uh, so we, we focused on that for like two years. And we kind of used that as, a, as an anvil to learn how to do a, a role-playing game from scratch. Okay. Previously, it was based on uh, D&D. Right, yeah. First uh, the old uh, first and second edition. Right. Mostly first, I mean. Some, I, I, I mean... Yeah, mostly yeah. first, a little yeah. bit of second. We had the rights to, to use all three editions. I mean, okay. Uh, basic, one right, right. two weeks. So we kind of picked and chose what, what we really liked. So uh, you, you said you know you learning uh, creating an RPG from scratch. So what's different about it? Um, well, we we kind of threw out the uh, just for starters the turn system. Yeah. Made D We kind of went with the uh, an action count. We mm-hmm. were literally counting up seconds as you go. So yeah. You have a lot of simultaneous play where people are, are doing things at the same time. Right. You, what's really cool about it if you once you've played it and got a handle on it. Uh, there's no waiting for your turn to come around. You right. kind of GM calls out the count, like maybe three people reach out, move their mini at the same time, and he calls out another second. And this guy's casting a spell, and this guy's hitting. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool to see it unfold as you're playing. Uh, okay. So how did that work in like in terms of playtesting? I assume that would involve a lot more. Or I mean, yeah, like when we did the western, that was, that was kind of the reason for doing aces and eights was uh, to try some of these ideas mm-hmm. in that genre before we took it to the new to the new version. Yeah, of it was kind of a trial run. And then um, 
Dave Kinsley came up with this idea for uh, Aces and Ace of Western that when you're, you go to shoot someone, you you, know, you don't point. I mean, usually in a normal game, you uh, someone attack that guy and then you roll the dice to see where you hit. Yeah. And uh, the way he designed it was every shot's a hit, it's just a matter of finding where the bullet right, actually right. landed. And that was kind of his approach. But as far as the action count, we had to keep track of if I'm moving from here to that door mm -hmm. over there. I announced that I'm also while I'm walking. I'm turning in place, I'm aiming over here while I walk, or I'm aiming over there. So did that become too complex for some players to keep in, uh, or like, did you have to go through some revisions in that, or? Uh, it worked pretty well. I think really? there's a mental barrier for new players when you first tell them, yeah. tell them how it works, yeah. or you uh, sit down to play the first time, and it, you know, it's kind of like, it's a little different than you mm -hmm. normally play games, so it's a learning curve. I think, but once it snap, it clicks, uh, most people love it. They kind of prefer that over right. the old turn-based. You know. I got you. I know Ace and Eights also has a lot of like detailed subsystems for like prospecting and right, professions exactly. and things like that. Um, but those are more traditional game mechanics. Or are they more? Um, kind of with the approach. Like if I'm running a Western role-playing game, yeah, and um, suddenly one player wants to go prospecting, the other yeah, players yeah. want to stay in town and drink at the bar. You can kind of handle it. It's a mini game. We call them their micro games. Okay. So it's kind of like a separate little. Like almost like a board game, right? Kind of a, and you can give that to the person. He can actually sit over there. And he's prospecting and go through the steps and yeah, figure out how much he's earned, how much he's lost. I got you. Yeah. Um, so in terms, so that that in order like keep it from the the traditional thing where you know if you break the party up, then right. you have to deal with one or the other, and right. then it's very. Uh, and, you know, in Western games like uh, doing a cattle drive or prospecting, a lot of. Those things are ignored because they take up a lot of uh, in-game time. Like, how do, mm -hmm. how do you play that out? By dealing with that abstractly, with kind of like a micro game, right, right. You're able to your players are able to simulate doing those things without actually having to play out. You know, I'm driving cattle three miles a day for six months. You can kind of skip gloss over that. You know, just get to get the end result. Like, how much beef did you arrive at market with? And what what level of, uh, what's the quality of that meat and all that kind of stuff. Did any of those systems or that, that idea of the micro game, like bank it into Hackmaster? I mean, I, I've read through some of the basics, not yet. but the, not yet. The basic Hackmaster is just kind of enough yeah. to get players from uh, level one to five. We've right. worked on the rest of the game, kind of like to tie them over. So you're going to try and, you, you well, said not yet, you're going to be doing... Yeah, we're, we're working on stuff like that. that okay. Uh, like for, stuff. I know one of the things I've always wanted to do in fantasy RPGs is, you know, uh, and I know there have been some attempts, but like being, you know, managing a castle, managing right, an army, exactly. that, that's... Running a nation, the, like a small Yeah, a nation, yeah. yeah. Those uh, are definitely things that we have, you know, like people would love to tackle. Cool. Were there any other things from Aces and Eights that you put in, aside from the initiative, and uh, uh, that you put into Hackmaster in the newer editions? Uh, so I'm trying to get the skill system, the way skills okay. are handled, and uh, advancing, there's like these mastery levels and everything. Like, okay. They kind of poured it over, pretty much. We revised it for the genre, so... Aces and Ace was kind of written around the genre of right, Western, right. and so we're doing the same thing with the, uh, the Hackmaster. Fantasy. Okay, yeah. So it's, it's kind of focus on the genre first and right. rules to support that instead of the other way. Right, I know right. a lot of indie games are more. You know, yeah, I've never been way. a big fan of one system that covers all yeah. the genres. I mean, it's, it's a nice idea, but personally, right. I've just never really clicked to that. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, that I mean, yeah, that I've, I've some even the universal systems support some things better right, than right. others. Right. Right. Um, what uh, what about the other uh, uh, kids or companies? You know, Calamar and. Uh... Well, Calamar is the new um, default setting for Hackmaster. Right. So we, we decided we have a very small company. Mm -hmm. We can only do so many things at once. We, right. We're all doing this because we kind of love gaming and right. love designing games. So 
we decided to narrow our focus to a few lines okay. rather than trying to do everything. So Aces and Eights, Calamar, Hackmaster bundled together, KODT. Just kind of put our best efforts into those three lines right now. Okay. And down um, the road we may try some other genres. You know, so. All right. Um, you know, recently a lot of people, uh, you know, well, not recently, but there's been a lot of discussion in the RPG community about the state of the industry. I mean, there's always, you know, discussion yeah, yeah. of the state of the industry. There's always some sort of crisis or something like that. Recently, uh, you know, Mongoose uh, put out their state. I don't know, did you see the Mongoose publishing? They, uh, the, they put something on their forums about talking about uh, what they did well and what they didn't do wrong. So did Steve Jackson. Games. Right, right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and one thing that, that caught my interest in with Mongoose was that he said, this is the first time in like 10 years I advise people not to start an RPG company. And, you know, that there's this general perception that gaming is, you know, commercially slowed down. So right. what, do you, what, is, what has been your perception of that? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I probably have a different take. My, when I got into the industry in 1990, um, yeah. everybody... There's a perception in general that role playing was taking, yeah, because AD and D had tapered off and uh, third ed had not right. So there's a lot of like gloom and doom then. It's much different now. There's a lot more to it now than mm -hmm. that. But I've always had an attitude that it's it is what it is. Like we're, everything's always going through a state of change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe ten years role playing we won't recognize it. You know, there won't be a tabletop. But you know, as long as it's there, you know, right. it's profitable and we're, we're having fun doing it. You know, we just kind of keep doing it and uh, kind of think of different business models where it's successful for us. Right. And most of us just keeping uh, overhead low, mm. not trying to make it more than it, more than it can be. Okay. But, uh, we don't have 15 employees. We kind of just have three. Right. And we, we freelance things out, farm stuff out that we can't do in-house. So. The thing that I, I've kind of noticed, you know, the, the industry people, they'll, they'll say one thing, you know, slow down, but we're still being profitable, you know. Yeah. Uh, Steve Jackson's they they uh, did a recent, you know, uh, letter to their uh, stakeholders, and they said, our ebook sales are doing great, our print right. is dropping off. Uh, one, has that, been, has that been an experience so far, or? Well, in general, what, we, what we're seeing is uh, every time a game store closes. Yeah. Um, X number of those customers that used to buy their copy of KOD Kids Local Shop, or yeah. they bought their Hackmaster there. They're coming to our online store. Yeah, they don't have a local game store, so the kind of thing is give and take right now. Where brick and mortar sales are kind of going down mm -hmm. on a downward spot, but at the same time, our e-commerce e is going up. You know, so it's you know it's not teetering yet. It's, it's kind of still even kill. Um, but one thing that, uh, that sort of, um, something like the RPG bloggers and some people are always saying, oh, um, we're the, the one in particular said, oh, that the industry is in this creed of failure. We're using too many licensed RPGs. D&D itself is like, you know, you, you've seen some of these, I'm yeah, sure. And, yeah. um, and I, I, for me personally, I'm just confused by this because I think the RPGs are the most creative out of all the sort of. Yeah, I've, I've seen some of that. I, I have an opinion on licensed yeah. RPGs. I've just personally, as a designer, yeah. I've never had a really strong urge to do like a Star Trek RPG or run out and get Farscape or right. Men in Black, you know, which I'm, I think is cool that other companies do that. But I've always liked the idea more of just creating things from, you know, mm -hmm. you have total control over, you know, to have someone else's approval. And, right, right. And that kind of thing. Okay, um, but do you do you um, think that you know that the RPG industry has fundamentally changed in the last? Yes, yeah, changed. It's but changed. It's changed quite a bit. You know, mm -hmm. I think it's going to continue changing every year. And, and the, the trick is just to um, 
keep up with it as it changes. Like, you know, we, right. you know five years ago, we weren't doing uh, many PDFs or right. um, e-products, or and now we are. Every product, that come, like when we came out with the Hacklopedia, mm -hmm. which isn't out yet, but uh, we released it to the kind of a pre-release. You know, you can download right. the PDF and read it now while you're waiting for the book to come in. You know, little things like that. We're kind of changing, seeing what works, what doesn't. Okay. Um, any particular um, unusual successes or failures that you with these new exper experiments? Um, anything that comes to mind? Um, I'm trying to go for it. Yeah, I was really surprised at the uh, pe people wanting to buy the PDF okay. while they're waiting three, four months for the, the hard physical book to come. Okay, out. The they're, they're happy with that model. Like okay. they, they actually want both. Mm -hmm. Like I want to buy. The, I'll pay sixty bucks for a PDF to get the book later. Right. You know, so it kind of surprises me that. Uh, People are willing to go that route. You know, okay. You're buying something that you don't actually have yet. Right, right. But, you know, if you need the information, then I yeah. guess. Um, do you, but they're paying full print price for that. For, so. Yeah, they're actually paying for the book when it comes up with the bonuses. You're, you're going to get the free PDF now while, okay. you, while you wait for it. Are they the only ones who do that, or do you offer, like, the ebook version uh, early? What we do now, our current model, and this could change as right. more data comes in and we see what works for other people, but... Um, we like putting out print. We just like putting out debt to your product, basically. Right. I, mean, I like getting a book in my hands when it comes up the press. Like, yeah, no joke. A lot more satisfaction than, okay, here's a PDF for something I worked on for a year. Right. And it's just me. But um, so our model now is, you know, we print the book. We feel, you know, based on pre-orders or whatever, it's print a few extra for uh, inventory and sell through mm -hmm. now the web store. And then once that gets to a certain level, then we'll release the... PDF version, mm -hmm. but we don't like releasing the PDF version simultaneously or before. I mean, the Hacklopedia is probably the first time we've done that work. Okay, here's you can buy the. But PDF you've, and you've gotten a really good response from that. Yeah, we've gotten a good response. So if that plays through and like the book comes out and the book still continues okay. to sell well, and the PDF's selling. Um, so you know, game industry is changing, going from more print to electronic. Yeah. Uh, are there any other things like uh, I know a lot of these. Uh, what I've seen, a lot of people think that there's some sort of fundamental shift in like terms of the actual uh, quality of gaming, like from like say 2000 to now or something like that, like from the the height of the three E wave, <laughs> you know, like that's the the golden age of gaming. Yeah, so, I don't know. I don't know. You, I, you, I think the big difference is back then, if I wanted to put a book out, I had to lay out several grand. Yeah. I mean, not just my time. I have, now I got to go to press a printer. Yeah. I got to take a risk and put real money on the line. Right. Like maybe five, ten grand. And then see if it sells. You know, maybe it's not going to sell. Maybe we'll have a, a warehouse full of books ten years from now. Right, right. Never get my money back. Where now it's just I can. You can release a game with no risk at all. I mean, you just put your time in, put it up on Drive Through RPG. So I think the quality is going down. It's probably because there's not as much of an incentive to. I've really got to write something that's going to work and be marketable and it's, right. it's going to sell. Like maybe that's what people are seeing. They're seeing okay. people put out. Do you think there's been a quality? I mean, I, I don't think. I actually think this is a golden age of role playing. People hate when I say that, but <laughs> cause, because there is no barrier. Anybody right. can, if you have an idea for a game, you can write it, you know, lay right. it out, put it online, basically, it'll cost you. Mm -hmm. And if it's, there's something to it, there's something here someone else sees and they want to play it. That's true. I mean, you know, um, I know there have also been like new uh, business models too, like the ransom model, you know, the right. Greg Stoles and uh, actually at RPPR <laughs> we've done some things, experiments in that too. And yeah, that's exactly. Good. And with the internet, 
if it's a dog, yeah. words can get around really quick. Like, hey, don't don't waste your nine bucks on this game. Or yeah, that game. And if it's kind of rocks and you're just a nobody, that no one's ever heard of, and you wrote something that's really good, the word's gonna get out too. You know, yeah, there's a lot of reviewers that people respect. You know, right. Um, they can kind of sort it out for you. You know, one thing that's uh, getting a lot of notice recently um, is the uh, the OSR, the old school renaissance. Right. And, you know, if, you know, although a few years ago it's called you know the retro clones, the old right. school. And it, for me, it's interesting because you know I've always I've been a long time KODD fan, and right. it's like you guys were there before it was big. I mean, right, right, you, were, right. you were doing that you know way before anybody. Our else original was poster for yeah. um, Hackmaster, yeah, forty uh, ten years ago was uh, old school gaming. You know? Yeah. So we were kind of even then we were talking about old school gaming, the, the feel, more, more about the feel. Feeling the attitude. Why do you think it is so popular now? I mean, that, that why do you think there is an old school renaissance? I mean, I think you know, if you think about D and D, and D in particular, was it was kind of like the one big shared experience. I think with mm -hmm. the biggest segment of gamers, like you know, right. everybody played A D and D at some point, or, and they, they played the same modules like uh, Keep on the Borderlands. Right. I mean, you can go to any convention and talk about certain adventures, and there's five or six other people that. They'll tell you the exact same stories from right, their right. character's point of view, and you know what you're talking about. Yeah. We've kind of lost that for so many role-playing games. It's not that big shared. Did you see um, the recent episode of Community? Yeah, uh, yeah. The sitcom with the D&D. I think it's kind of telling that they used old D&D modules and so right, maybe, right. Th you know, Third Ed or Pathfinder, you know, 4E, right. that they use these old battered books yeah, exactly. to sort of re invoke that nostalgia. Um, so I think it's a lot of old school nostalgia. And people, yeah. You know, it's like a community in itself, you know. When you talk about that. Do you notice any particular? Uh, um, what do you think the the, the uh, OSR games these not just uh, are getting right? Are, are they getting anything wrong? Like, I mean, what I mean, what are they? I guess it's kind of a challenge because you know it's great to have that sort of sense, but on the other hand, there are some you know parts <laughs> of the old school games that are could be improved upon. Yeah, I, totally I followed it for a while, but I haven't really. I'm, don't okay. really have my thumb on, on the whole thing. I, okay. I kind of know what they're doing and right. where they're coming from. And I think it's really cool if there's a market for that. Well, well, I mean, since you're sort of, you know, doing Hackmaster, I mean, what kind of things about old school gaming, like when you're doing Hackmaster, you know, Fourth Ed even, now the new one, um, what do you want to keep from the old, to get the essence of it without getting sort of some of the, you know, the clunk, you know, the kludgy stuff from the, the mechanics or whatever, or yeah. tropes or, you know, con you, know, you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for me, the old school for me is just, it's, it's about the dungeon crawl and mm -hmm. the, you know, that look and feel of the, of the cl basic classes and the races and the way they work together, mm -hmm. the party system, you know, the magic user fighter, cleric thief, and that's really what it's all about for us. As far as the rules themselves, that's kind of secondary. Okay. As long as the rules support that feel, right, and it works well, right. and it gets the, the players and the GM are enjoying where it's taking them. Okay. Um, um, do you feel like the the one of the things I've always thought about the old school games is that they they're kind of like D and D with hard mode or like uh, on because you always the always the, th the 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 assumption that you're starting level one with very basic equipment, right. and if you make it type it, you know, there's no guarantee that you're going to be facing level appropriate monsters there's always going to be right. the idea that you're going to be facing you know a big bad dragon that could instantly obliterate your characters right. um, exactly. uh, do you feel like that's sort of the uh, a key element or do you feel like for more me, like with 3e and 4e there's a lot more sense on balancing encounters yep. and whatnot yes yeah, and this is just a personal yeah. <laughs> you know it's not a comment on how people design games sure 
or play it. Uh, it's just my personal taste, and probably because I came out of old school. Mm -hmm. I like the idea that my first level character can go around the corner. Yeah. And I'm getting it over my head, and I know I'm getting in. And I might run into a dragon, you know. Yeah. And just the end of the story. And the next time I play, I'll, I'll know better not. Uh, not to go down that corner. Not to go half cock, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, beyond the edge of the map, you know what I'm saying? Right. I just kind of like that. I, I don't, it kind of goes against my grain to think that thing, there's a chart somewhere and it's balanced and that I got this many experience yeah, points on this level. And this is the only group of yeah. monsters I'm possibly going to run into, you know, on this day if I'm running this adventure, so. You feel like uh, campaigns are better when they're more of this, um, you know, some people describe it as like Gygaxian naturalism where it's based more on these, uh, you go out and do whatever, than opposed to crafting uh, a narrative with the specific encounters and trying to structure it, you know, like a movie or something like that. You you know the two schools. Yeah, yeah. And I don't really have an opinion. I think it's it comes down to what what's your preferred. Yeah. You know, way of playing. What I mean, do you tend to uh, run both or one or the other? I kind of I kind of like just running, see where things going. Okay. You know, as far as free more open ended, yeah. kind of sandbox, I guess. Yeah, I don't like the. Where things are mapped out too much. You know, okay. As far as where I can go and you know, how the game progresses. Okay. Um, so, what are you playing right now? Like, in terms of games, like, what was recently caught your eyes? Well, as far as role playing, obviously, we're playing uh, Hackmaster, Advanced okay. Hackmaster, playtesting in house. Yeah. Uh, so that's role playing, and that's all I have time for right now. Okay. But um, board game side, I just I play about everything. Been playing a lot of pitch card lately. Okay. Um, zombie dice. Zombie dice, yeah. I just bought uh, another copy today because I left mine at home. Um, yeah, I, uh, that was one of the big hits that Steve Jackson. There, there's yeah, exactly. the stakeholders said uh, was a surprise hit. Yeah, it's a good simple game. You know, it's like it's pulled out at a party and then have everybody playing it for five minutes. You know? Right. I'm, I'm, I picked up actually Cthulhu dice to see if that, yeah. that's going to work out. Um, what? Uh, what have there been any things that you've read about that have caught your eye? Or uh, in yeah, I really want to try the. Um, Dungeons and Dragons, the Ravenloft board game. Oh, yeah. yeah I just yeah. think it's an awesome concept and an awesome idea. I've been hearing great things about it. I just, oh, really? Okay. I would love to just sit down and play it. You know, okay. See what it's all about. Okay. Um, now, one thing, uh, you know, you're talking, going back to again, uh, the print versus ebook, you know, the electronic thing. And you're also talking about earlier about how tabletop gaming could be totally unrecognizable or, you know, right. change in 10 years. Have you tried, I mean, there, there are these new online tabletop tools, everything from just... Yeah, that, yeah that's where I was going to go with that. Is yeah. I think the reason this thing could be recognizable is because, you know, the iPad and the, mm -hmm. you know, the virtual battle boards, it's just amazing what's what's happening. And I, I, even if you're just a pen and paper role player, I just think people using that, you know, mm -hmm. it's just unnatural. Well, you're still playing the game you always love to play, but you're... Mm -hmm. And maybe two players are virtual and they're yeah. coming in on, you know. Have you tried it? Them. Have you tried any of these? Playground map tools, which okay. uh, we have a couple of uh, Hackmaster players that are doing a lot of the frameworks for that. Oh, yeah? So you can run your total game. And a lot of people actually do. They play their game of Hackmaster virtually you know, online with friends that are not at the same table. But I haven't done it too much myself, but that's on my list of things to do is kind of do yeah. more and more of that. Um, yeah, no, I, I ha I've used hack matches once or twice myself. I've been doing uh, some games over Skype. Uh, yeah, that, my wife that, does it that way. Uh, and that's been very interesting. Uh, trying to do it with six players is very challenging. Yeah. Because uh, voices sound alike sometimes uh, right. over uh, voice chat. So uh, it's interesting. Do you think you're going to try um, and do anything in terms of that? Like, I know in, term in terms of 
Hackmaster products or anything? Uh, as far as developing developing original yeah. and unique apps yeah. for Hackmaster, I doubt. I think we'll probably uh, use things like Map Tools, where okay. we're kind of using exist existing technology that other people are using. Mm -hmm. It kind of just it's just another option for people to use. Okay. Uh, but, but you know, we're going forward. Who knows? Things are changing so quick. Like we yeah. just got into. Uh, I'm learning all kinds of new software right now to get in. On, on the EPUBs. Oh yeah, because it's just such a different. What do you What have you been using for the? Well, uh, we've been using Quark for the last twenty years because it works for us and it's right. You know, it's simple, straightforward, and right. it does the job. But now with the uh, InDesign, it's kind of like the default app for EPUBs now. So I've been forcing myself to learn that. We're, we're actually <laughs> going to be switching over this year. Oh really? Oh yeah. yeah. I don't need. Did they even support Quark anymore? I don't need. What's that? D is Quark even supported? I, 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 yeah, Quark supported. There's there's like a new okay. version of it. It's just it's so far behind. It's lagging behind. But, oh yeah. It's just it's good for what it does. But if you're wanting to do a lot of the new things like the yeah, EPUBs and, and output to Kindle and it's kind of are all you, built in. Are you no? You mentioned you know like doing drive through RPG or looking into like trying to set things up for. Uh, like Amazon, putting it on Amazon, or like uh, the iPad, all the, the all the above, anything, uh, anything that's wherever there's opportunity, kind of. Okay. That's that's the reason we're switching. You have to be able to have that ability to mm -hmm. to move and like okay, let's this is the new platform that's profitable, you know, popular. Right, right, right. Is. Any um, troubles or problems with that so far? Has it been working pretty smoothly? Not really. I kind of got. We decided like uh, last year we should probably start moving in that direction. Okay. Like I've been laying out KDT in color, and like people that watch me on uh, Justin TV. Watch, oh yeah, I've seen. I've, I've seen you mention that on your Twitter. They're always surprised so. that I'm work. I actually do the panel and the strips in color. And yeah. Like, why are they in color when the comics black and white? Right. It's been that way for like five years. That because we've been thinking ahead, like okay, eventually, you know, we're gonna. Right. If you eventually put an iPad version. Yeah, out. yeah, an iPad's gonna be coming out someday, and here, yeah. here's a color version of, you know, the comic book that you can read. So that's kind of nice. We're, we're kind of prepared in that way gotcha. for the future. But. Um, you know, one of the things, KODT itself has been going along for a long time. And 20, it, 20 years. 20 this, years. This last month, yeah. This last month. Oh, uh, 21 years. 21, 21 years last month, yeah. Well, congratulations. I've been working on the yeah. year of KODT. We've been celebrating the 20th year of the whole year. So <laughs> I still get that in my head. Um, any uh, new plans for KODT? Just keeping up with the, uh, the, the same format? Or any... Um, no big plan. I guess the big plan is just to keep it going and, right. uh, and keep uh, doing challenging stories and right. taking the characters to new places. Yeah, it's interesting because gaming humor is a very kind of tricky subject. Right. Um, a lot of it, it's very it's very lazy to do this typical you know pan, you know nerds in the parents' basement jokes, right, exactly. which are very 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 they're very boring after a while. Right. Nothing else. It's like saying women you know bad drivers. Uh, they're just a stereotype. Yeah, someone mentioned it yeah. the other day that none of the characters in KDT actually live in their parents' basement. That, yeah. That's true. I guess so yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so, like, what is what has been the big like? How do you keep uh, 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 you know talk about a little bit of your creative process for writing KDT? Yeah. Okay, I'm um, going back to the question about where we're yeah. going. I should point out that okay. uh, we've been doing we've done web web scripts in the past. Yeah, we've always had like this really lame interface where they just kind of stack up. And if you want to read web script number six, you have to click through every one. Yeah. Of them. So we've got a new interface now. It's not online okay. yet, but it's you know, it's got the calendar, like kind of like a typical web script where you can okay. navigate, and uh, you'll be seeing those again this year. Okay, so that'll that's that's in the works right now. Right, and that's supposed to tie in with the EPUBs and the whole thing. Kind of okay, that's good. Yeah, taking KOT more on a digital front, where 
as you, if you don't can't find your local game store, you'll have access to them. Right. That kind of thing. And I'm sorry, what was your question about? Uh, we'll talk a little bit about your creative process for writing KODT. I mean, especially now, the the, the, the plots are very complex now. Yeah, exactly. You have several, not just the main group, but, you know, the Black Hands and all these other groups and the, the plotting, especially the back right. with, you know, uh, Gary Jackson coming back to life and right. everything. Um, so. Yeah. yeah well, I've kind of split the way I do scripts now. I have, like, half of it's usually the ongoing story. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 we call them the lost scripts, but then the other half are kind of the standalone, right. self-contained stories from that aren't really tied in with the current storyline. And that's really just to keep new readers. Like we always have new readers that pick up the magazine for the first time. And those kind of help them. Okay, get, get into the characters part of the, the, the story. Yeah. They get sucked the into the other storyline. But um, I, I my creative process. It's hard to, to answer. Right. Are there any, well? Are there like any things you you like any plot line? You know, saying the nerds, the parents, fate, but or jokes that you won't. You know, that right. are boring or not working. But like, are there any other sort of uh, sort of tropes or things that you sort of say? I, I I don't want to do this, or I'll do this only in this way, or something like that. Yeah, I don't really eliminate. I you know eliminate ideas. Um, what I do like just now the live reading we just did. Yeah. Um, they were reading a script, and I I got a few ideas, and I jotted them down. Like okay. while they were reading. And uh, it's basically how I, my creative process basically is taking a lot of notes. Whenever we're playing games on the table and someone says a funny line yeah. in character, I think, wow, that's just a great line for Bob. <laughs> and I'll write that down. Maybe there's no story attached to it. You know, but six months later, I'll read that same line and, you know, a few kernels of the story come along yeah. and I'll start laying it out and maybe put it back for another month or so. Okay. And eventually the whole story will raise up around it. But. So you have a pretty extensive uh, backlog of stories you can uh, Yeah, I've got from. an 80-page file right now. It's called uh, the KOT Idea Factory. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I've been keeping since 95, maybe. And this, this is where I can all the notes I've taken, like at cons or mm-hmm. during a game, I just throw them into that file. Okay. And as I use them, I remove them and add new stuff. Okay, um, so are the uh, the characters? Um, uh, so are the characters based on any particular? They're obviously you know their own characters by now. But when they start out, did the knights uh, were they based on people you knew or like how did how did you? Uh, yeah, the your primary character, the the very first, which I never thought this would yeah. go more than a few issues or a few months, but right. it was kind of an in-house joke, like okay, Bob's. My best friend Lou Herring back home, and uh, Brian's a guy named Joel. So it was based on my wife. And so characters are just based, yeah, on simple people. And then, but as it took off and the stories got longer, and they got in a different situation. They became their own people after a while. So okay. I don't even think of I don't think of the people who inspired them now. You know, when I write for the characters. Are there any kind of uh, plots uh, you're you're preparing that you want to give the readers a hint about in the, uh, coming up in the next <laughs> few months? Or uh, years? Yeah, I'm kind of thinking, you know, the big one last, last couple of years was Gary coming back. He's, yeah. Now everybody knows he's back. He's, yeah, they're I mean, just He was now, back for a long time, yeah, but the characters in the universe didn't know he was back. Yeah. So that's just happened recently. And so there's a lot of cool things that are going to happen around uh, okay. the Gary character, especially his wife, who now she knows he's back. Yeah, actually, the, the news issue 170 has something, some dramatic bombshell she just dropped. Right. And the way to that's, I guess that's one of the things I'm really happy about is uh, when we first did that storyline, I didn't think anyone really cared about us because yeah. Gary's dead, now he's back. Yeah. It's, it's really been kind of cool that so many readers are really into those uh, stories. So, yeah, how do the readers respond? I mean, like, I mean, the letter section is always very 
filled with uh, right. uh, very active readers. But well, there, was a, there was a few people didn't like the idea of a dead character coming, whatever for whatever reason. Oh yeah, and yeah, you know, they were just like, I hate that because that's such a comic book thing. You know, <laughs> like, well, it is a comic book, so <laughs> yeah. yeah. But there's a lot of uh, I might get mail all the time like, hey, you didn't have a Gary Jackson strip the last two issues. Where is he? I love that storyline. So that kind of tells me people are following that arc, even though it's okay. been a minor arc. It's usually two to four pages per issue, and then even then, every three or four issues before he's mentioned again. Right. So it's kind of cool that you know, they're following it. And they're like, okay, he hasn't been in an issue for a couple of issues. Do reader response ever like shape some of the stories, or like I mean, in the past, or? <laughs> I should probably, yeah. <laughs> probably shouldn't say. Every once in a while, this is just oh, a yeah. mean streak in us. But if someone someone will complain about a certain character doing something, or yeah. you know, <laughs> if you're writing a strip like, hey, let's put this line in just to annoy so and so. But it's usually yeah. very subtle. But you're not going to notice yeah. if you're just reading it. But if right. that, for that person, go, hey, he did that because of me. You know. I gotcha. I gotcha. So. In those cases, yeah, every once in a while. Okay, other than that, though. Have you been surprised by some of the, uh, uh, such a long history, uh, uh, by some of the feedback you've gotten from uh, your readers? Yeah, I'm surprised at everything, actually. I mean, that it took off and that people yeah. were reading it and then that they would continue reading it for so long. Um, I'm trying to think offhand. Because I always see those photos. The of, Sheila and Bob yeah. relationship. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was just kind of a that was a total fluke. I was laying out a strip, and Bob was at the counter, and she happened to be the random character I had come in to mm-hmm. say some lines, and I just found myself. And I don't know if you remember the, their first date. It was kind of an awkward. He was a uh, I think wasn't he at the like uh, at Weird Bob's or as a clerk Weird Pete? Yeah, yeah, Weird Pete. Sorry. And she just happened to come in as a customer, and they got yeah. to talking. And, by the end of the strip, they had decided they were going to go to a movie together. Yeah. And then, like, the, the guy's thinking, like, did I just, am I going on a date? You know, whatever. <laughs> That's really the way the strip unfolded. We didn't really know where it was going. It was just, those two characters happened to be on the same panel, and it just seemed like it should work that way. So I was kind of surprised that um, so many readers are really into that relationship. You know, it kind of had a new dynamic that came out okay. missing. Yeah. Kind of the romance angle. Okay. Um, now, um, one thing you know that your game or your your writing is obviously a lot of based on you know uh, you just mentioned pulling it from various games that you run or play. Right. Um, are there any particular uh, anecdotes from your recent Hackmaster tests or anything that you'd like to share with us? One thing we do in RPBR is we often have read and le- reader anecdotes from various games that they or listener anecdotes that they right. play in games. So well, I just wanted to mention that you know, I work with you know three very funny people. You know, Bob. Uh, I mean. Brian, Dave, and Steve. And the, yeah. When we're playing uh, role playing, someone will say something, and one of them will turn. Hey, write that down. That's okay. The key strip right there. That's uh, right. There's a line for Bob. So, especially in our current Hackmaster campaign, there's a lot of strips that come out of that. Okay. The recent there was a Patty Perp strip recently where um, Crutch, the guy who used to be yeah. in prison, he wanted yeah, more yeah, experience con. points to level up before he left the game. That was yeah. based on an actual strip for. One of our players, we were getting ready to leave for the week, and he needed like 10, 15 hit points to get to the next level. Oh, 10 So he insisted, to get, yeah. like, we got it. It was actually <laughs> one more, more encounter, yeah. Yeah. And it, it, 
they basically almost died. Like it's almost a TPK because it's one guy wanting just point. kept rolling on the random encounters right. until something big came along. So that was just automatic. I knew I, I got to write a strip around yeah. that one. Now, when you mentioned that, uh, one thing I was curious about is uh, uh, in the strip, uh, Patty, uh, she's a school teacher, right? Like right. kindergarten right. or something like that. Yeah. Um, and she uses M and M's uh, in order <laughs> to track. Uh, hit points and experience points and that, and that kind of thing. Right. I just wondered if that was something you made up or is that something that, that you heard about in the that actual I, game? That was kind of made up. I think. Okay. As far as I know, unless unless it's something I encountered, it's what it's been what fifteen years since we yeah. ran that. Because that in particular, but, I, that was one of the things that struck me. It's like oh, that that that's my recollection. It was just a quirky yeah. thing yeah. for school teachers that you know always have yeah. these little teaching methods for their kids. Yeah, it was just a way of showing that. She was thinking of her her uh, players as cool, her pupils. Pupils, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. how she treated them, like putting them in the corner, timeout corner, and all that stuff. Yeah. That's kind of where that all came from. <laughs> um, it, it worked. I, I was very uh, uh, kind of gave that group a different feel. Every one thing I liked is that every every group in KODT has its own feel. You know, the black hands are the, the you know the right. nightmare players. Is they're all the right. worst kind of. Sociopathic rules lawyers, munchkins, you know, right. uh, and then the knights are kind of balanced as they have a little bit of everything. Patty's obviously the more right. nicer, you know, yeah. like uh, civilized, I guess, in some right. ways, but yeah. uh, still very aggressive, especially with crutch and whatnot. So, um, I don't know, do you feel that gaming groups uh, have a lot of that? I mean, do you think that's like uh, there's individual cultures within every gaming group? Because you know, I'm not sure. I I imagine it would be just based yeah. on the, the the dynamic of getting different people together. Yeah. Well, uh, I know like my wife and I, we, we came up in a very different group back yeah. in the day because um, one of our friends found the white box set of D and D. Yeah. And he introduced it into our. We were normally playing war games, and he kind of brought it one night. And he said, "Let's try this out," and we got into D and D. But we we kind of learned the game in isolation. We didn't know how you're supposed to play or how you were supposed to act. So our interpretation of the rules and how you play was a certain way. It was mm -hmm. almost like VA's campaign, okay. where there's a lot of flavor text and description, and you talk to NPCs, and you know, <laughs> oh, no. you actually you know, go to bar, yeah, you talk. We'd be talking, and we were yeah. actually role playing. And when I met up with the Kinzer guys, they've been playing since high school. Yeah, and it's just a totally different game where if there's not combat going on, like, hey, what's going on? Where's the Where's the moment? Where's the so there's going to be a lot of action, a lot oh, of yeah. fighting. And if I introduce an NPC, like, hey, let's talk to this guy, like, you know. Yeah. Like Dave Kinzer, especially. I had a guard at uh, Little Keeper, which is in Hackmaster. He was trying to slow the players down and talk to him. And he just he punches the guy in the face through his visor slit, you know, <laughs> before you get through, you get his sentence finished, you know. <laughs> so it's totally out of KODT, and it yeah. gives me a lot of material. All right. Um, you, you, know, you mentioned that uh, isolation, you know, you, you didn't know how the groups were right. going to be different. Do you think, uh, you know, especially with the internet, nobody has that, you know, can, no one can do that again because they can just go online and find out how. That's other, true, yeah. Uh, do you think that, that do you think uh, since the internet that gaming culture has changed, like, or do you think it's sort of been, kind of, I mean, obviously it's changed to a certain degree because different shows and things have become popular, but yeah. do you think it's kind of, I don't know. I would imagine, that, I, gotta, I, mean, I don't have anything based on yeah. Except, I'm, I'm sure there, uh, there's a lot of gamers out there still play right. in their own circle. They don't really go to cons. And right. I know a lot of people personally like that. that and they, they write us and say, hey, I don't, KRT's our only connection with gaming outside of our group or whatever. So. But yeah, I haven't really thought of it in terms of now there's such easy access. Yeah. 
Okay. People sharing ideas and stuff. Right. Um, yeah, because again, you get crazy games like Zombie Dice and yeah, exactly. uh, all these ebooks and everything. Um, any final thoughts or for uh, uh, the, the interview? Yeah, all right, right. Just keep, keep on <laughs> supporting us so we can live the dream, man. All right, keep cool. bringing in material. All right, well, thanks a lot, Jolly. Hey, thanks, um, Ross. All right, and this has been Ross Payton with Roleplay and Public Radio. Um, anyways, up.